0: Extra Daily Planet Extra! Welcome to Episode 3 of Man of Screen Extra. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and this episode is going to be the first of the next three Man of Screen Extra episodes dedicated to the DC Extended Universe, the feature films. The first episode, which is the one you're listening to right now, will be a conversation between myself and Rebecca Johnson on Jeff Johns being named one of the co-runners of DC Films. He will report to DC Entertainment President Diane Nelson, and he'll be overseeing the DC films with John Berg, who will report directly to Warner Brothers Studios. But before that, next month's Man of Screen Extra will be my review of the extended ultimate cut of Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice. I may or may not have guests on that episode. We'll have to see how things go. And in August... I will cover the the Suicide Squad film, which is coming out on August 5th of this year. I guess we can call this my first mini-series on the Man of Screen Extra podcast. But before that, I just want to talk about a couple of things that went on today in the world of the DC Cinematic Universe. We got some news regarding the Justice League film today. Apparently, there was... Apparently, Warner Brothers Pictures allowed several websites and other press to visit the set of Justice League, which is between days 30 and 40 of filming. It's supposed to be about a 110-day shoot, so that means about 70 days left to go. So, filming should be done sometime at the end of August, early September, I'm guessing, if I'm doing the math properly. And the the articles that came out talked a lot about the formation of the Justice League with Batman and Wonder Woman kind of rounding up the troops. The main villain is expected to be Steppenwolf. Those of you who aren't that familiar with the New Gods stuff that was created by Jack Kirby, Steppenwolf is one of Darkseid's agents. I believe he's Darkseid's uncle, and he kind of functions as, I guess, an enforcer or, or an assassin or something of that nature. So there is a clip that's supposed to be in the BVS extended cut of Lex Luthor looking at something, and apparently we see an image of what many of us speculated at the time was Steppenwolf. So it looks like he's going to be at least one of the main antagonists for the upcoming Justice League film. Obviously, we didn't hear very much about Superman, which is disappointing to myself as a Superman fan. A few people have are already already just kind of jump off the bridge over that, and I would like to know more. But at the same time, I'm trying to remain, at the very least, cautiously optimistic. You know, the last time I had a doctor's appointment, I had borderline high blood pressure, so I am trying very hard to not get bent out of shape over things I can't control. The main thrust of these articles that have come out have been about how Zack Snyder and DC Films and everybody involved have learned from the quote-unquote mistakes of Batman v. Superman Dawn of Justice and are lightening the mood of the films. And, as usual, Rebecca and I will talk about this later, People either love or hate Zack Snyder. There's very little middle ground when it comes to this particular director. And being that he's directing, people have already started picking at what we know of of the Justice League movie. And I don't know if I was ready for that to start this early. I mean, there's still... I'm recording this on June 21st, 2016. The movie doesn't come out until November 17th or so of next year. So I'm not sure I'm ready for another 17 months of nitpicking this film before it's even come out. Afterwards, fine, nitpick away, but I'm just not interested in the internet freak out 17 months away from the movie's release date. Now, no matter what the articles say, I know that quite a few of us are, probably most of us, if not all of us, are going to be there anyway when the film comes out. So, my advice. You see this pill? High blood pressure. The doctor says get it under control. Less stress in your life. Delegate. I am delegating. And my blood pressure is not going down. Don't walk in here with with excuses that are going to upset my doctor. Let's not freak out now over a couple of set visits. Let's f- freak out after the film comes out. And those of us bracing for a fight, don't. It just makes it worse. Especially if you're expecting it. If you don't seek out a fight, you won't find one. I made an effort to not get as amped up about this film as I did about Man of Steel and I think that worked well for me in the end it is only a film not worth getting completely bent out of shape about sure we all want it to be great and if it's not the disappointment that comes with that but just have a little perspective that's all so with that being said I'm going to take a quick break I'm going to play a promo and then I'm going to have Rebecca Johnson with me and we're going to talk about Jeff Johns and his role at DC Films hang around folks It's time for some thrilling heroics. A brand new podcast on
1: 2TrueFreaks.com. Keep flying. A Firefly podcast. We aim to do the impossible. Cover every episode of Joss Whedon's science fiction space opera western. And that makes us mighty. We
0: found as fine a crew as ever populated the podcasting verse. I told them I had a job. They said yes. Didn't much care what it was. So join me, Andrew Leyland. I fought for the independence, May have been the losing side, not so sure it was the wrong one. I'm joined by a man too pretty to die, Mr. Paul Spataro. And last, but by no means least, a man with a mighty fine hat, Shepherd Bill Robinson. So join us on TwoTreeFreaks.com for Keep Flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to misbehave. All right. Welcome back, folks. And like I promised, I have Rebecca Johnson on the line from Supergirl Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. No problem. And we're going to be discussing I wouldn't call it news anymore. It happened about a month ago. But Jeff Johns has been announced as one of the, I guess you call them co-heads of what's going to be called DC Films. And he's going to run that with John Berg, who's going to report to Warner Brothers. Kind of a way to, I guess, centralize what's going on with the DC movies. His role hasn't been clearly defined but it's kind of clear that he's going to be steering the ship for the foreseeable future. Rebecca, you know, what do you th- what do you think of this move?
1: Well, it's funny because if you go back and look at the Hollywood Reporter, news story, the article about this, I I found The headline, really, like, melodramatic. It was like, Batman v Superman, Fallout, Warner Brothers shakes up executive roles. And it made it sound like such a, like a huge disastrous thing. And when you actually kind of go through the article and see what they're saying, it's, I don't, I mean, I'm not a Warner Brothers executive. I'm not part of the company. I don't know what's going on in the inner workings. But it doesn't sound like it's that big of a deal because, Big companies have reorganizations all the time. People are getting promotions or they're putting in a new position to help someone else out and people are reporting to other people. So that's what it sounds like this is. And I think it's actually a good thing because Jeff John seems to be the comic book guy or the comic, you know, the DC guy. And then John Berg is like more of a, uh, like a movie producer movie executive so they're kind of staying in their lanes i guess you could say right and then sort of helping each other merge the two elements the movies and the comic books so i think it's actually a really good fit
0: yeah i do too one thing over the years warner brothers has been hesitant or if not refused to do was include the comic book people in their films they always kind of drew a very very distinct line between this is the movie division and that's the comic book division, and they, and they would take the characters and basically adapt them with little to no input from the folks who handle the characters on a daily basis. And what I think this does is it finally brings that comic element into the movies. By having a comic book mind there, You're gonna maybe we're going to see some consistency. One of the concerns about Warner Brothers' model going in is no matter how you feel about Zack Snyder, several of these characters are going to be handled by different directors. Zack Snyder handled Batman and Batman v Superman. We're going to get probably get a little bit of Batman and Suicide Squad handled by something else. So I think you need somebody, kind of a comic guy, to make sure that the characters are consistent over the course of these films so that we're not getting Snyder's Batman in one movie and Ayer's Batman in another
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point because the movie people can focus on making the movie and putting out the best quality product they can, and then Jeff Johns can help steer the comic book elements of the movie and kind of help them understand what the universe is and how the characters maybe should relate to each other. And I thought you made a really good point about how Warner Brothers in the past kind of didn't want to have anything to do with the comic book people. There's a really famous story with Kevin Smith telling his experience of writing a script for, I think what eventually... uh, Got called Superman Lives, I think is that movie that was going to star Nicolas Cage and all that stuff. Uh, he, He tells a story about how he goes to Warner Brothers and he's like, Why don't you get the comic book people to write this? You know, they write these stories all the time. So even back then, Kevin Smith was like, No, let the comic book people handle this. They know what they're doing. So now we're seeing the The product of that, we're getting to see that kind of come to fruition, where the comic book people actually have a say in how these characters that they deal with all the time get put on the screen.
0: And I think that's gone on even well before that, probably since nineteen eighty nine. And brace yourself, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Sure. (laughs) But Warner Bros. With regards to the superhero movies, and I'm not going to include the Christopher Reeve Superman movies because they were handled a little bit differently. Somebody else had the rights, and Warner Bros. Just distributed. Well, starting with kind of the 1989 Batman film, kind of been maybe a level of cinematic snobbery amongst Warner Brothers, because they've always wanted to take the hot director. At the time of Batman 89, Tim Burton was just off Beetlejuice. So he was was the name to grab at that time. And, you know, he did a pretty good Batman movie in 1989, but then they kind of stopped watching what he was doing, and Batman Returns became a Tim Burton movie. And then after he left, we got to do Schum- Joel Schumacher films. But then when it came to Superman, you saw it countless times where up until what eventually became Superman Returns, trying to line up throughout the 90s and early 2000s, the director of the day. We had McG, we had J.J. Abrams, Tim Burton at one point. So And then eventually settled on Brian Singer, which, I, which is kind of going after the director and kind of letting them do their Superman. And that's how we got Superman Returns, which was a love letter to the Reeve movies. Right. And I love the Reeve movies. You know, I grew up with those. Superman 4 was the first Superman movie I remember seeing in the theater. I know that's a bad movie, but I'll still defend it out of nostalgia. (laughs) Sure.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And And with Superman Returns, you know, I have my own problems with it. But I also think there's some good things there. And I think... It, it is important to allow a director to have a vision for something and you can tell that brian singer had a story in mind he had a tone that he wanted to go after and he did it you know for good or for ill <laughs> it, w- it was his movie and what i like about what wb and dc are doing is that they are definitely director driven they have you know charles Roven calls it the sandbox that they right. have this big thing where they can kind of tap into all the directors can tap into it but they can still do their own thing and they just kind of stretch and make things flexible with the grander universe to make everything fit. And I think that's actually the really smart thing because in the Hollywood Reporter article, it talks about how like Jeff Johns is maybe going to be the new Kevin Feige of Marvel Studios. But I don't think that's a, a good equivalent because from what I understand about what Marvel has done is that Kevin Feige controls the story. And right. so he he will control and manipulate the movies to fit whatever he's trying to do. So some of the directors, like Joss Whedon or Edgar Wright, and I think even Patty Jenkins had a problem when she was going to do Thor 2. Right. And so when you have those creative conflicts, that it's not a great environment. It sounds like a lot of those directors had a lot of bad experiences. And so what I think is uh, positive for Warner Brothers is that they're letting these directors tell the stories they want to tell, but... Work them into the same
0: universe, right? Right. You mentioned that with Marvel having trouble with the uh, directors. I just looking at the Marvel model, you know, it just seems like they're taking newer directors, almost the way a TV show would run. They've got the showrunners, and that's Kevin Feige and all them, and they've kind of got their staff director, so to speak. I mean, some of the directors have become names, but before Iron Man, who was John Favreau, and the, the biggest name they had direct early on were Joe Johnston for Captain America and Kenneth Branoff Thor. They didn't hang around for that reason, because they felt constricted by the Marvel model. So I like that Warner Brothers is trying to go a different way by going director-driven, but there still needs to be something to, if there to exist in one universe, there needs to be, at the very least, some kind of guiding force at the top.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what Jeff Johns is likely going to be a part of. And I think he's been doing that. It sounds like, from what I can understand, John Berg and Jeff Johns, they've been in this. I mean, they've been working on Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. So it's not like when they had this news come out of their reorganization their new titles that it was some brand new thing like <laughs> the Hollywood Reporter made it sound like oh Batman v Superman was a di- disaster so they made all these shakeups. Right. but I, I honestly don't think that's what happened at all I think this was just something that came from everything that has already been happening so this is just something that has organically come from their work and their you know their careers they've gotten promotions because they've done a good job and we're not just seeing this happen right now. This has been in the works for a long time. I mean, we even saw Jeff Johns in that CW special that highlighted Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman. Like, he's been in this. And he's been working with Zack Snyder. He went to the Wonder Woman set. He has been doing all of these things. He's He's been, you know, palling around with Patty Jenkins. So it's it's not anything new. It's just something that has... Uh, Happened as a result of all the hard work he's put into it. So I'm actually really happy for him because he's getting to take the love of these characters that he has and is so clearly, you know, something that, you know, is inside of him and he's getting to help all of these people bring them to life.
0: Well, we all know the world has its opinion on on Batman v Superman. So this is this Hollywood reporter Gardner is definitely spun based on that. I am never going to say Batman v Superman was a failure. You can't make $827 eight hundred and twenty seven million dollars on a film and call it a failure.
1: Oh it, it made like eight hundred and seventy million
0: dollars. Oh didn't don't, did I, did don't I, sell it yeah. short. <laughs> did, did I switch to seven and the two?
1: I think the last number I saw was something like eight eight seventy. I think
0: I said eight twenty seven, so I think it was eight seventy two. Might
1: right? be might be something like that, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. So eight seventy two we'll say. Just because I'm too lazy to go to box office mojo and <laughs> no, it's okay. But anyway, it made what it made and you know what? Marvel has really up the ante as far as box office numbers go. There's no denying that. It's not a football game. You know, he who makes the most money doesn't win. And numbers can be manipulated any way you want to manipulate them. When Marvel reached the 10 billion mark amongst all those movies, I decided to do some math and average out what each movie came out to. Marvel came out to about 768 million per film, DC was at maybe 763 per film if you want to take a per film net, they're about they're about even.
1: Yeah, I think the the last statistic I saw was that there were only like three Marvel movies that did better than Batman v. Superman. I think it was like Avengers, maybe Avengers 2 and Captain America Civil War. And maybe now, yeah, Civil War and right. Winter Soldier. I don't know. So, I mean, Batman v. Superman, even, even if it didn't hit the billion dollar mark, it, it did, you know, even better than most of the Marvel movies.
0: I liken this to you know, kind of a, an adjust, maybe a little course correction. It's not like they're scrapping the whole thing, you know, but they're just making a little adjustments along the way, and, and that's fine. Like you mentioned, Jeff Johns has has done well launching the launching the TV and TV stuff, and he's had his hand in some movie stuff. But I think what's, what also has happened here is Jeff Johns has a bit of a reputation as kind of a fixer as far as the comics go. He... You know, he came on to Green Lantern in t- in 2004 and kind of fixed that after Hal Jordan was a victim of the 90s and turned into all kinds of different things. <laughs> he was brought in and fixed the Flash comics, which I really don't think needed fixing. Having grown, grown up in comics in the 90s, Wally West was my Flash and kind of by bringing Barry back, kind of leave Wally a little bit listless and irrelevant. As much as everybody likes seeing Barry come back, I was kind of... I felt they took away my flesh when they brought Barry back. Totally understandable. And uh, and
1: and didn't he sort of revitalize Aquaman? Or am I getting that? Yes, incorrect?
0: He, yes, he did that with the with the new Fifty Two. He had a pretty good Aquaman, right?
1: Right, 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 right.
0: And just I guess we say last month now he is fixing the DC universe again with Rebirth. I think Jeff Johns is probably through no fault of his own has developed this reputation as a, a fixer, and I think people are latching onto that even if they don't want to admit it
1: <laughs> i think that's very true i i personally don't know that the dceu like the the movie universe it needs fixing because i like what i've seen so far right. but i think what jeff johns might be able to bring to the table is to be able to put in more elements that we might recognize as fans and so that's very exciting. And you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say that the the flash coming into the Batcave cave from a possible al- alternate future that that was very Jeff Johns. So well. I think it's things like that that we'll start to see more of that we that we as fans will recognize. And I think that's why it's a it's a strength, why it's a positive that he's he's getting this sort of this new title because like like we discussed earlier, like he can help these directors add those kinds of elements that will pay off for fans so i I don't know if he's fixing it but i would say he's maybe adding to the universe but but i i I definitely think it's a positive that he is in this position
0: i do too he's a very good idea idea man he is yeah yeah he doesn't always stick the landings but (laughs) i mean he's had a couple times where he's come on to superman to uh kind of straighten things out and he's kind of left and left in the middle so his reputation with superman is a little bit checkered but he's done great work with With other of the more legacy characters, that's a kind of a line he likes to throw around out there. I think this is, at the very least, I don't think he's going to be a Kevin Faggy, and he's going to be controlling, controlling the story. I think he's going to have a lot of input into the story, but I don't think the buck is going to stop with him.
1: Yeah, I don't know if there is gonna be a, a Kevin Feige at all cuz it just sounds like they're all like one big team. That they're all working together. So I don't think there's one person who is controlling the story and controlling every movie and how it gets made like Kevin Feige, I've heard stories about how he inserted that scene with Thor in that thing with the the pool and he got visions or whatever that was, I can't remember, but oh, like Thor he ins- yeah, he like inserted that that really wasn't part of what the movie was. And so it's stuff like that where I don't know that he'll have that kind of power, but I think he'll be able to make suggestions and that he'll bring a lot to the table with his ideas. So I, I like to think of what they're doing with the DC films is they're just, they're, they're a big team. Like I even saw a tweet where Jeff Johns, he was like tweeting back at Patty Jenkins and he referred to all of them, all the directors and everything as as their own Justice League. Right. And so I think that's a really cool thought. That you know, Zack Snyder and Patty Jenkins and David Ayer and James Wan and um, the guy doing the Flash. I think they're all a, b- a big a big Justice League making making movies within the same universe. So I like to think of it that way instead of like, oh, there's this one person who is running the show.
0: I definitely think going forward, he's going to have probably more say on who comes in as directors and and things like that. I mean, Zack Snyder is not going to be around forever, right? I don't even know for sure if he's going to be around past the Justice League movie. We haven't heard anything about who's going to do the second one. This is one of the things. You know, this one hurts me with Marvel movies kind of a little bit, too. They've announced so many. I remember sitting in the theater watching Age of Ultron and being taken out of the ending knowing, oh, this is them setting up the next movie. Yeah. like knowing what's coming almost takes me out of some of these movies.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sort of particular about way, the way I think movies should be made. I think, you know, movies should be standalone things that have a beginning, middle and end. Right. And, and I think what has taken, you know, like you, it's sort of taken me out of Marvel movies. And, and to be honest, I've stopped going to them because I don't like the way they make movies. I think they make them almost like they're episodes of TV Right, and so as a movie snob, that bothers me. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think what I like about the DC movies, even though like we're two, we're two movies in, but every movie has a beginning, middle, and end. And yes, we know something else is coming. We know that right. Superman is probably going to resurrect. We know the Dark Side will probably show up at some point. But it had a beginning, a middle, and end. And if and if we never see the next movie. We'll kind of be able to finish the story in our heads. So, And I like that they don't have – I know some people complained, oh, there's no post-credit sequences in the DC films. But I like that. I think as as a movie fan, I don't want those post-credit sequences because right. I want the final shot to be the final shot. Right. So I can understand your frustration with the, the way they make their movies because I have some of those right. <laughs> issues myself. Right.
0: Knowing what's coming in the future colors how you look at what you're looking at. When, when I go to the movie, I want to sit there and I want to be immersed in this movie. I don't want to be thinking three movies from now. That's their job.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, one thing a lot of people said about BVS, and this is something I never really agreed with, is that everything hinged on this movie, on, B, on Batman v Superman. I don't think so. For better or for worse, Warner Brothers has shown over the years they can make money with Batman and Superman. Yeah. But they've always had trouble with the with the secondary character. Green Lantern didn't do what they wanted it to, so I think the Pressures on Suicide Squad. That is a movie that won't well it'll have a little bit of Batman in it, but and Batman elements, but that's driven on lots of secondary characters that people haven't heard of. So yeah, I think I would... how that's gonna do is gonna be a bigger indication of how successful this universe is gonna be.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I I don't think the cinematic universe hinged on Batman v Superman because by the time Batman v Superman came out, we knew there was going to be a Suicide Squad movie. We knew there was going to be a Wonder Woman movie. We had news of an Aquaman director. Like all these movies up until 2020, we had news that they were getting made. And then they supposedly added at least two more that we know of. And there might possibly, you know, be a Birds of Prey movie, I'm hoping. So it's not like... They decided to shrink the lineup, they actually expanded it. (laughs) So I think they have a lot of confidence in what is coming. And I think Suicide Squad, Squad, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. I think it's going to make a fair amount of money. I think it will be a nice change of pace to Batman v Superman. Because Batman v Superman, what I liked about it was that it had a lot of stakes to it. It had a lot of, they, they took the material seriously. But Suicide Squad, you can have a little bit different tone. It'll be a nice kind of refreshing change of pace, even though they're bad guys and a lot of bad stuff happens. They'll probably have a little more fun with it. It looks like a lot of
0: fun, that movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's different characters. And I think the strength of that, I know you said the sort of the supporting characters don't do as well, but I think the the good thing about it is that they have included Harley Quinn and Joker. So those are the characters I think that will they'll anchor it i think because those are characters people probably know of and then you can sort of sprinkle in diablo and enchantress who i don't know much about you know a slipknot those kinds of characters i'm not as familiar with so i think the excitement for me in watching that movie is to get to know those characters and find out more about them so i think that's actually going to be a a strength for them
0: yeah i definitely think so too the batman elements are definitely going to help anchor the movie and i do believe there is a reference to superman in the movie
1: i think so because manda waller talks about him
0: maybe superman was some kind of beacon for them to creep back from the shadows right she mentions him and then there's i believe a scene in a some kind of government hearing what if superman had decided to fly down rip off the roof of the white house grab the president right out of the oval office who would have stopped him? Right. <laughs> so yeah. Just what we need people to think about.
1: Yeah, I think I think Superman probably made a lot of people in the government very paranoid. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, Jeff Johns coming coming on here is a good thing. And but one thing I, I kinda don't like about all these movies being announced at this point, right around the same time this came out, we got the story about how Flash lost its director. This movie is still three or four years out. It's barely – not even talked to filming dates yet. Right. So it's like you – by announcing all this stuff wicked early, every time there's a little bit of hiccup that nobody would know about, it's big news now.
1: Yeah, and it makes it seem worse than it is. Right. And I actually – I was kind of actually glad about the change in directors. I thought, I thought Seth Graham Smith probably would have done a good job, but yep. I, um, I think the new flash director is Rick. You Your your long name
0: that I can't pronounce.
1: I probably am butch- butchering his name. But I started watching Dope on Netflix. I haven't finished it because I haven't had time. Right. but it, I, it's very good and I like the the tone of what he was going for and, and the way he develops these characters. And so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of his work because right. I, I think he'll he'll bring his own flavor to the movie. And I think having all of these very distinct, directors is going to make the movies more unique and will stand out from each other and i think that's really important because i think i hate to compare it to marvel again right. but a lot of their movies that i've seen they feel very cookie cutter they feel right. like they have all they all have the same tone you know when you're going in you're gonna see some fighting and they're gonna banter they're gonna make some quips and the villain isn't really gonna do anything too terribly bad and that everybody's gonna be fine at the end but I think the the cool thing about these different directors is they can bring... Because good directors can bring their own vision and their own voice to a project. And you can tell when a certain director... Like you mentioned Tim Burton earlier. Right. Well, Tim Burton... You know when you're watching a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> right, you do. <laughs> because he, he has his own style and he has his own voice. And it's going to be uh, just like when I was talking about how, you know, I'm excited to get to know Enchantress and Diablo and Slipknot. I'm excited to get to know more about these directors and what what kind of styles they bring to things. So I, I actually thought that the the news about The Flash getting a new director, I th- I think we upgraded, right. <laughs> to be honest. I, I think we we got a good one.
0: Right, and that's, a you know, he would have been a first-time director. There's a lot to put on... Uh first-time director. Fox gave the Fantastic Four movie to a new director, and look what happened there. Yeah. You know, but you know, one thing, sometimes the problem you run into with the named directors, you bring your baggage with them with you. Yeah. I told, I, we were talking about this on Facebook, I told you this story, about a month before Man of Steel came out, I was in New York City on a job interview. I met a friend of mine who also worked in the city for lunch, and we were walking through Times Square, and we saw all the Man of Steel posters, so we got we got to talking about it. And and he said, and he said he was gonna skip it because Zack Snyder was directing. He's like sucker punch, you know. And, and, he, and the same person kind of did the same thing when Ben Affleck was announced as the next Batman. Remember Daredevil? I'm like, I'm starting to think, you know, that's been years. <laughs> he's, can he? He's not. Maybe he's not as bad at his job as he was ten years ago. Are you as bad at your job now as you were ten years ago? right. <laughs> you know, it's so like. I don't know he's like blacklisting an actor or a director because they did something you don't like years ago. I mean granted, Sucker Punch was a little more was more recent, I believe that was his last film before Man of Steel, but you know, Zack Snyder did come out with a lot of stuff that people liked. People seemed to like his three hundred movies. I personally haven't seen them. I enjoyed I enjoyed Watchmen. I thought he did about as well as anyone could do with that story. I mean, I don't know if you've read the graphic novel Watchmen. I,
1: I have, yeah.
0: If you have. I mean, I don't think you could drop a giant squid on Madison Square Garden in a, <laughs> in a modern movie.
1: Yeah, and and to be honest, my personal opinion is I thought it was silly when it was in the book. Right. So I, pro- <laughs> I, pro- I, pro- I probably would have thought it was silly on the big screen. And I think actually working Doctor Manhattan into that sort of big finale actually worked. I think I I personally but, thought it was an improvement.
0: I thought it worked. I mean, like I said, he I thought he did as well as anybody could have done with that material. And now maybe a lot of people didn't like it because they thought it was a superhero movie and it wasn't what they expected.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think a lot of people do bring their own personal baggage and their preconceived notions about certain directors, especially Zack Snyder. I think right. his last two movies weren't judged by based on their content. It was based on, oh, I don't like Zack Snyder for reasons X, Y, and Z, which is unfair. That's not it that's is. not a way to judge a movie. And it's funny you mentioned Sucker Punch because I watched. I watched it for the first time a couple of weeks ago because right. I was sort of trying to do like before Batman v Superman came out. I was trying to do like a Zack Snyder marathon. I watched Dawn of the Dead. I watched what is that owl movie called? Let uh, Legends of the Guardians. Oh yeah. Uh, whatever yeah. that's called. Um. That's, and I watched,
0: Netflix just sent me three hundred. I haven't seen that, but. I Uh, I want that tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen 300 all the way through, but I think I would, I would like to see it. And what I found about Zack Snyder is that he understands how to make a movie and he went to film school, so he knows what he's doing. So I liked Dawn of the Dead, even though I'm not a, I'm not a zombie fan. I can't, I can't deal with him, but I liked the way he did that. And from what I understand, like, since it's a remake, he actually sort of put his own spin on it, which I think is good. And With Sucker Punch, what I think is really fascinating is that as a woman, I watched that and I was very empowered after that movie was over. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it's sexist. It's this and that. And, you know, oh, well, it's just, you know, girls in these revealing outfits. But I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I was pumped up after that movie right. was over. I thought it was very well made. I thought it was the acting was great. I thought the storytelling was very complex and interesting and unique and It had a good story. And I thought it was so empowering because the whole message of the movie is to fight back, you know, fight back your oppressors and, you know, fight for your life, fight for your story. And when I hear people say negative things about Sucker Punch, I often wonder, A, did you see the movie? (laughs) Did you actually watch it? Or are you just going on what you think it is or what you've heard other people say? And B if you saw it, did you understand it? Right. So I think that's the the thing about Zack Snyder movies is that, and I've heard him, I've read uh, interviews where he's, basically said this, where he aspires to make really smart movies. And so I think sometimes what happens with Zack Snyder is that he makes these movies that have a lot of layers to them and a lot of metaphor and a lot of, like with Batman v Superman, there's a lot of philosophy and a lot of uh, ideological things that go along with it. And so some people aren't willing to kind of go that extra mile and understand what he's trying to say. But again, that goes back to being a good director and having your own voice and having something you want to say so i i what i like about the the overall directors of the dcu is that i you know i'm just getting to know some of these directors but so i don't have those preconceived notions about patty jenkins i did see monster thought it was a good movie and even though it made me uncomfortable (laughs) in places because there's a lot of murder in that movie
0: (laughs) yeah i haven't Um, seen a lot that she's done i believe she's done some episodes of breaking bad
1: yeah, I think she's done a lot of TV and. I've seen some
0: of that, and if I saw that, I thought I liked it because that was a great show.
1: Yeah, yeah, and James Wan—I don't know much about other than he's done a, you know, Fast and Furious movie, and he's he's big into horror yeah. you know, horror movies. And David Ayer—I I need to see more David Ayer, but I, um, I don't
0: think I've seen any David Ayer movies. I, 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 I kind of like that. I kind of like that. I haven't seen enough of his movies that I have an opinion on him.
1: Yeah, I, I think it'll be fun to discover, like the the characters that you don't know very well, I think it's going to be fun to discover a new filmmaker and to see what they have to bring to the table. So I, I think it's it's unfair sometimes, I think, when people bring those preconceived notions about a director and say negative things about a movie just because they don't like them. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that moving forward, now that we're going to see some diversity in these movies and the tones and the looks and everything, I think people will sort of, I'm hoping, will sort of start to chill out a little bit and right. just enjoy the movies for being movies.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I think so, too. You know, one of the analogies I like to use for, and I hate saying DC versus Marvel, but just to, to compare. For me, the Marvel movies are like cheese pizza. You're, you're hungry, you'll, you know, you'll like it when, when you're eating it. But once you're done, it's you're done. You don't think about it anymore. It's kind of forgettable. Right. You know, Warner Brothers is trying to serve you a a big juicy steak <laughs> yeah. and you can prepare it as well as you can. There are some people who just don't like steak. Right. While while everybody likes cheese pizza.
1: Yeah. And I think the steak analogy is pretty good because some people like their steak rare some right. people like their steak well done I, and so i think that's sort of what we're seeing with man of steel and Batman v superman is that you have people who are like oh that's not my batman that's not my superman i would rather have it done this way and but they're sort of ignoring that the, the movies are trying to tell you a story and and trying to communicate something about these characters and it doesn't matter like what your preference is per se hey, the movies aren't going to be made exactly how you want them to be, and the characters aren't going to be exactly how you want them to be. They're, this is just their own interpretation of the characters in the story. So I think the, the stake analogy is actually a pretty good one.
0: Right. Well, thanks. And uh, we mentioned people bringing their baggage about the uh, directors. And with Zack Snyder, it seems like they pick at things. Mm. Uh, now, I'm not going to sit here and, and defend Zack Snyder to, uh, to the death, but, you know... Uh, in the trailer, a lot of people picked out the, uh, for Man of Steel, picked out the John the Jonathan Kent maybe line. Yeah. Which was just a line delivered with no context. And if you watch that movie, he, he died in support of that thought, that maybe he should let people die to protect the secret. Right. So he, whether it was true to 75 years worth of Jonathan Kent before that, I can't say, I can't say that. But in the terms of that movie, it was true to itself. He was true to the character that Zack Snyder was putting on the screen
1: right into the story they were telling. And I think it's unfortunate that people saw that trailer. And even in Batman v. Superman, people were nitpicking Martha Kent's dialogue, even though Martha Kent had every reason to say what she said, because she's a
0: mother protective of her son. Right, exactly. That's that's the way I looked at that. And, you know, even in that movie, people picked at the Martha thing. Yeah. Zack Snyder did not name both of their parents Martha. Right. It was always a goofy coincidence. And, you know, what? I found it amusing that he somebody finally used that.
1: Yeah, it was actually I thought it was very clever the first time I saw it. And actually, the more I watched the movie and I, I how, many seen times, it,
0: how many times have you seen it?
1: F- 15 times in the theater. Uh, so it'll probably be more when I actually get the Blu-ray. But I I think those things are really clever. And I think. It's unfortunate that people, I think people wrote off Man of Steel and wrote off Batman v Superman based on those trailers because they didn't like those lines. So they were already hating what they were seeing before they even understood the context. And right. I, th- I think that's, it's something I always try to, uh, the way I approach going to see a movie or watching a TV show or reading a book, whatever it is, looking at a painting, I, I don't want to judge something until I've consumed it. Right. You no know, i I don't want to say anything about a movie one way or the other until I've actually sat through and watched it because I don't think that's fair if I did that, and so I, it frustrates me sometimes when people do that and it's like, well, maybe watch the movie before you get a judgment call on what this is or isn't about
0: and sometimes you have to watch the movie multiple times yeah', I've, oh, o- yeah. I, I've only seen it once, but I was talking to when I recorded with Bob last you know i I asked him about, about it because he saw it twice, and I asked him if. He felt it played better the second time. And he said it did, because he knew what was coming. Cause the first time you're seeing it, you're all you're all wrapped in and wrapped up in what's gonna happen. So you're think trying to think along with the movie and the second time you know what's what's coming, so you can just sit there and take it in. And
1: I in, can in, actually, and it
0: might play better. You've seen it 15 times,
1: so yeah. No, I can, I can actually testify to that fact because the the second, the first time I saw Batman v Superman, I was like, I really liked this. I thought it did a lot of great things, but I thought some of the transitions into different scenes could have been better. Like that right. was my takeaway the first time I saw it. But the second time I went into it, I would agree. Like you know what what's coming, and you can kind of make the connections between the scenes a lot more. It's a, it's a little easier to do that, and the more I watch, I think Batman v Superman has a high degree of rewatchability because every time I would watch it, I would pick something else up. I would find a new layer of the story. I would see an Easter egg. I don't think it was like until the maybe the twelfth time that I saw an Ace Chemicals. And right. the the big showdown with Doomsday, I didn't see that like the previous 11 times right. <laughs> I watched the movie. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So you you pick up more things the more times you watch it. And I think that's what makes it so it's very rich. It's very rich in visuals and storytelling and characters. So I, I would highly recommend that if you've only seen it one time, give it another watch because I think it it's one of those movies that the more you watch it, the more you get something out
0: of it. All right. All right. Before we move on to a little bit more of Batman v Superman, you got anything else on Jeff Johns?
1: Uh, well, I'm just, I'm excited for him. I think he's done a lot of good things for DC and for the Warner Brothers products, the, the TV shows and the movies of the year. So I think this is a, a a good thing that I'm glad I'm glad for him because I think this is a podi- a positive step in his career. And I think he's going to do good things. And I think uh, we're already seeing um, his influence in the movies. And I, I think this is is every bit a positive step in a, a positive direction
0: yeah I, I'm, w- I'm with you there i think this is a good thing for the movies you've got somebody here who he, he knows the characters so at the very least too if somebody asks him a question he'll he'll come back to them with with an informed answer oh, or yeah. he's a good sounding board because he can no he can tell them no no, no. superman wouldn't do that maybe he'd do something like this
1: yeah i think that's a good way to look at it he he serves as a great sounding board
0: I, like I said, I think this is going to be a good thing for the films in general, and Jeff Johns has a lot of fans in the uh, in the DC fandom, so some detractors, but mostly people are fans of Jeff Johns, especially he's developed a lot of goodwill with the DC rebirth stuff from the, over the past month. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break, I'm going to play another promo, and then Rebecca and I are going to talk a little bit about what we're looking forward to about the Batman v Superman Ultimate Cut that's coming out next week. Hang around. Stop and listen! Stop and listen to me! Listen! Listen! Listen to me! They're not human. Everyone, they're here already! November 4th, 1988. Earth is invaded by an alien alliance composed of several species, including the Dominators, the Kunz, the Danegarians, and the Durlins. And they want our superheroes. Even though Australia has been decimated, the United Nations' response is unequivocal. Drop Dead. First Strike: The Invasion Podcast takes you back to that moment in time and covers the entire Invasion DC Comics crossover, issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes. First Strike: The Invasion Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember Albert. All right, welcome back folks. Back here with uh, Rebecca Johnson. Now we're gonna, before we close the show out, we're gonna talk a little bit about the upcoming R-rated ultimate cut of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, which is coming out on digital Tuesday, June 28th, with a Blu-ray release to follow on July 19th. So, Rebecca, what are you looking forward to about this extended cut of the film?
1: well I haven't seen it I know it it leaked out but but from what I understand from things that were in that trailer they, they put out, Warner Brothers put out a trailer and I have the art of the film book and it has some additional stills that were not in the movie so I'm assuming these things will be in there but I, I'm looking forward to like three main things uh, one of them is that we'll get to see more of the reporter sides of Clark and Lois. I'm very excited about that because I, I, I like seeing the Daily Planet stuff in the theatrical cut, but knowing that there's maybe more that's there, I think that will really help because I, I liked the idea, uh, I'm a big Lois Lane fan, so I like the idea of Lois figuring things out and putting the pieces together and that's why Lex is in prison at the end is because she <laughs> she right. puts it behind bars with her evidence. So I, I like seeing, and I think and I think there was even like a set pictures of Clark Kent in Gotham City. So there there must be a, some more stuff of him in investigating the Batman.
0: Right. And so we can some of that excited. in the trailer.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so I I think that's going to be really nice to see them doing their reporter thing. And and so I, it's funny. A lot of the things I'm excited to see are very Lois-centric. <laughs> I know that there's a, there's supposed to be a scene where Lois meets Jimmy Olsen. There's a there's a still of them talking together in the Art of the Film book that is not a scene in the theatrical cut. So I'm assuming we get to see their first meeting, which is very exciting. I think even though Jimmy died, a, you know, a, a sacrificial death, he, he him meeting Lois I think is very iconic, and it's it's something that I, I think. Any any Superman fan hopefully would appreciate that they, you know, these two characters are meeting. And then just to see more of the Africa incident. Right. Um, we got some of that in the trailer for the Ultimate Edition. It looks like there's, you know, going to be more of maybe the terrorists that Lois interviews. I think he might get some more stuff. We might get to see more damage of what happens to the people of the area. So I think that will help inform more about why the Senate wants to have Superman come forward and testify about what happened. So I think there's a lot of good stuff in there that will sort of help us understand the movie more.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. One of the comments I made about the movie after I saw it my one time is that it didn't seem long enough to service all of the plot lines in the film. So I'm hoping that the additional time will help flesh those plot lines out a little bit and make, you know, make, just make them a little bit smoother. Cause there are a couple things that I had heard about during filming that weren't in the movie. There, like you mentioned, there were stills of Clark and Gotham. And I believe we saw some of that in the trailer with, we, we did mm-hmm. with Clark talking, talking to that guy about how angry the Batman was. Right. There was also early filming, real early in the process of a football game. Oh yeah. And it was alluded to in the film, but we never we never saw anything. And yeah,
1: there was. There's a little bit in the Daily Planet when Clark and Lois and I think maybe even Perry's in the scene where they find out that Wallace has defaced the Superman statue, and they they watch it on the news on one of the side monitors. You can see a Metropolis. I guess it's a Metropolis Gotham game on one right. of the monitors, so they they may may have just put that in one of the monitors at the Daily Planet.
0: Now, one thing I'd be very inter- interested to see is, and this would be more a more of an organic cameo instead of a forced one, like we saw later in the movie. Victor Stone, cyborg, was a football player before his accident. Right. So it'd be interesting. I don't. I'm not saying we're gonna see this, but it, it, I think it'd be kind of cool to see. To see him get, get injured in a football game or whatever it is, and that leads to him becoming cyborg later. Knowing he was in the Justice League movie, that's almost a natural thing to put in there. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more reporter Clark, more of the desert scene. because I remember seeing a—I sh- mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a shot in the trailer in the desert of an explosion in the sky. Yeah, I don't remember if that was in the theatrical cut.
1: No, I think that's new. And it. I, I'm assuming that Superman is flying into one of the drones because yeah. they, they talk about the, the drones that fly over the city and they don't really know who pays for them. And so I'm assuming it's like a LexCorp drone that Superman is going after because he knows something is up.
0: And especially one of the criticisms of the movie was there really was very little of Superman in the... In that desert scene, just the scene with the, I guess, the head terrorist. Right. And him taking him through the wall, then, then you didn't see anymore. I think if we get to see a little bit more, that could improve the way Superman looks in that desert scene.
1: Yeah, and I was always curious as to how, and I didn't need to know this information as a viewer, but I was always curious as to how he knew to come, I mean, he he knew Lois was there, so he probably came because he knew Lois was maybe going to Africa or something like that. But I I wonder if they you know show him finding out about all of that. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, I think it'll be it'll be cool to see if they expand upon Superman's present in in that sequence
0: because that that sequence really set the tone for the whole movie.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah it 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 was part of the narrative that went through the whole thing.
0: So I'd like to see him looking a little bit better in his first real action piece of the film.
1: Yeah, and I'm wondering if anything will change into how he's introduced because I actually really like in the theatrical version that the the first time we really see Superman is that big loud, you know, crash in the sky where he's like booming in. So I, I think
0: I hope they leave his entrance as that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that's a that's a pretty cool way to introduce Superman. is his sound barrier breaking. Crash in the skies. So I I don't know if any of those things will change. But I I think we'll definitely get more of why he's there and what he's
0: doing. I believe I read somewhere about the ending is a little bit longer. Yeah, I think there's supposed to be. I'm really curious about that.
1: Yeah, I think there's supposed to be more of the funeral scene. And maybe a little more of like how the world responds to Superman's death. Because we see a little bit, little bit of that in the theatrical cut right. where the people are kind of grieving in either Metropolis or Washington, D.C., wherever that is, where they sort of have that almost like president-like funeral for Superman. So I think we might get more of that. And uh, there's a little bit of trivia that I I read recently that I thought was really interesting was that when they were shooting that, I think— I could be reading this wrong. It could be a, a rumor. But I think Zack Snyder told the people, those extras in the scene, that the president had died. And so that's what they were shooting so right. as not to give away the ending that Superman had died. So I thought that was a really interesting right. little tidbit. And that's why you get those reactions from them and how they were able to hold that a secret until the movie came out. So I thought that was pretty pretty crafty of Zack Snyder.
0: I don't know how well, how well of a secret it really was. People were speculating the death of Superman from the minute we saw Doomsday.
1: Well, that's true. And that that's something that I had thought about. But then I was like, but they're doing a Justice League movie af- after this. So how could that work? And so I just sort of put it in the back of my mind. And I was like, well, I think there have been stories where they fought Doomsday and, and he didn't die. So I was actually kind of shocked the first time I saw it because I was like, oh, they went there. I like yeah. this. So I, I was sort of taken aback by that. So I, for me, when I saw it, they, they did a good job keeping it a secret.
0: They did. I personally thought it was a little soon to be killing him, but...
1: Well, and and you could argue that, but I, I like the way they did it.
0: Yeah. And we all know he's going to be back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen the pictures of Henry Cavill training. He's not going to train uh, for a cameo.
1: Yeah, and he's he's training. I saw pictures of him training with like some sort of martial arts yeah uh person so i was like why is superman i mean maybe he's just doing a different exercise to keep him in shape or whatever but i was like that's interesting i wonder if that (laughs) if that comes into play somehow
0: yeah well that speculation is another episode in and of itself
1: yeah that's true
0: so rebecca why don't you tell the good listeners where they can find you
1: Well, sure. I'm on a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and we talk about all things related to Kara Zor-El and the CW Supergirl TV series starring Melissa Benoist. And you can find us at SupergirlRadio.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the social media places. Um, So check us out.
0: All right. And you can find me hanging around in my Facebook group. You can find it by searching for the Man of Screen podcast. Feedback to the show is always welcome, manofscreen at gmail.com. The uh, show has a Twitter account. You can find that at manofscreencast. And you can leave me a review on iTunes. That helps people find the show in their search menus. So next time for the July episode of Man of Screen Extra, I will be discussing, hopefully I'll have some guests on with me, to discuss the aforementioned Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Ultimate Cut. So, Rebecca, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Sure, it was fun. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening. Have a good one. The Man of Screen podcast is produced by Mike Timo, and all the opinions on the show are those of Mike Timo Randi. and else. All, all music and sound clips used in the making of the show are for free purposes only and no copyright infringement. Is all trademarks are coming with their original The Man of Screen Podcast is a member of the Superman Podcast Network can be found at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. The homepage for the show is manofscreen.podomatic.com and you can email the show at manofscreen at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.